Well, our series is Run For Us Run is, is about being happy, and we've talked about it for quite a while, and, and just to recap, in week one, we talked about knowing what really matters. Uh, if you're new to the series, what we've been doing is we've been exploring a little four-chapter book in the New Testament. If you open up your Bible and you go pretty close to the end, you'll see a little book called Philippians, four chapters long, but it's all about how to think and especially about how to be happy. And so in week one, we were in chapter one of Philippians, and, and, and Paul is saying, I want you to know what really matters, because if you're going to be happy in life, you really need to know the things that matter. How many people do you know who are chasing? They're running after things, and yet at the end of the day, they, they may be successful in acquiring what they think will make them happy, but they discovered that they're not happy. It's like one guy said, I climbed the ladder of success, and I found out it was leaning up against the wrong wall. And so it's really important to know what matters. That was week one. Week two, we talked about the importance of relationships because there are, there's a prevailing view that happiness comes to the successful. In other words, you must, you, must, you must achieve success before you have a right to be happy. But that quest for success oftentimes brings stress. And in stress, we tend to jettison one of the most important things to our happiness, which is our relationships. How, how many guys and gals in trying to be successful have lost the love of their lives, maybe lost precious time with their kids because they were driven to be successful so they could be happy, and they achieved success in the eyes of the world only to find themselves more miserable than they ever have ever imagined themselves being? Week three, we talked about attitude. That was the last time that I talked to you, and I said your attitude is like an invisible friend who is with you all the time coaching you on how to interpret circumstances. And then last week, Jonathan talked to you about the importance of leaving the past behind because Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget what I've lived through in the past, I forget the things that I've been through, and I press on. So today we're going we're gonna to stop for just a moment and do a subtitle. And we're going to talk about several things that we've learned. Number one, we've learned that things cannot make us happy. And, and, and I know that we all know that. And yet at the same time, I think we sort of feel that when we get the next thing that we're after, the next possession, the next house, the next car, we'll be happy. But it's, it's true. Things cannot make us happy. Uh, we've learned that happiness is a choice. It's a lifestyle. It's a path. And then here's the thing that I, I hope we've all walked away from, and that is that our mind is the control room of our life. If, if you're happy today, it is because your mind is, is healthy. And if you're unhappy today, it's because there's, a, there's an issue there. Let me, let me just throw this out as a, as a way of helping us understand that. Suppose for a moment that you're a world, world-class athlete. That takes a lot of imagination for me. But for some of you, it might not. I mean, you're in really, really great shape. But imagine for a moment that you're a world-class Olympic athlete, and it's the night before the finals in your particular event, and you've trained for this event all your life. But alas, the night before you get into the finals, you get sick. You catch the flu, and you're running high fever, and you're, you know, you've got the chills, and you're throwing up, and so you get dehydrated. And the next morning, you're faced with your event. And it could be that you're so sick that you have to scratch. Or maybe you try to participate, but you're going you're gonna to participate in your event in a lessened state of effectiveness. Now, here's the thing. All of us understand that we cannot be at our best physically if our bodies are, are, are ill. We, we know that. We get that. But a lot of times, we have a difficulty in transferring that same understanding to our emotional and mental health. Because here's the thing, a lot of you have great minds. You have extraordinary minds, and you have proven that. You've proven that in the academic world. You've proven that in your career field. You have a great mind. 
But deep down inside, you know that your mind is not feeling well. I mean, it may not be that you have something that's been diagnosed. You may not be bipolar. You may not have major depression. You may not be like me and have ADHD. You may not have anything that has a name to it, but you just know that your mind is not feeling well. And so this whole series is about the understanding that if you and I are going to be happy, our emotional and mental health has to improve. And at the end of the day, you need to understand, I'm not qualified to tell you what issue you may be dealing with if you have an emotional or, or mental health disorder. That's for the psychologist. I'm not trained to give meds. That's for the psychiatrist. And I appreciate so much skilled professionals in that field. But here's what I do know. Just like regardless of your physical condition, there are some things that you could do in the area of nutrition and in exercise that can make you better no matter what your health is. There are some things that you and I can do to improve our mental and emotional health no matter what your situation is. And we're going to talk about those as we look at the last two weeks of this series. If your happiness today is based upon the thoughts you think, the question that I have today is how can we think better thoughts? How can we know how to think in a better way? If our minds control us, what controls our minds? Do you realize that there is a part of you that is even more fundamental than your mind? I think it's a challenge for us because we sort of feel like, well, we, we are what our minds tell us. We are what our minds control us to be, but there is actually a part of you that is more foundational, more fundamental than your mind. And when you learn what that is, you may learn the most important single fact about yourself. Before I tell you what it is, let me give you a verse of scripture, which some people might argue is the most important verse in scripture, because this particular verse talks to us about the part of us that is even more fundamental than our minds. It is maybe the most clear-cut verse that tells us how to have a relationship with God. If you grew up in a traditional church as I did, this is a verse that tells you how to be saved. Or if you grew up in perhaps a more liturgical church, this particular verse would tell you how to be regenerated or how to have new life in God. Either way, it's one of the most important verses in the Bible, and it's going to talk to you about a part of you that's more foundational than your mind. Listen. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, that is the clearest cut statement I can think of in the Bible that tells you how you can get out of this life and go to heaven. If you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, we all clearly understand that we're not talking about the pump in our chest. Heart there is a metaphor. It is... It is a reference to a part of us that is so deep that it's clearly more powerful than the mind. What the Bible is talking about there with your heart and the part of you that's more foundational in your life than your mind is your will. Because here's the thing, day after day, your mind explores possibilities. Your mind hears evidence. Your mind receives images and thoughts but it is your will that chooses what to believe. We all here, and, and it's just the same thing. We, we, we could walk out of here having experienced the same thing mentally, but if someone were to talk to us about this experience at five o'clock tonight, we would come away with different points of view because our wills would have selected what to believe, and your will is the most important part of you. 
See, that's what God is saying about how to have a relationship with him because, see, people have all kinds of thoughts. Well, maybe this is the way to get to heaven. Maybe that's the way to get to heaven. Maybe this is the way. We could all do that. But God says at some point your will's going to have to step in and choose and say, I take this. I believe this. And God says when your will steps in and takes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the resurrected King, God says, you now have a relationship with me. Not because your mind has figured it out, but because your will has made a choice. Now, this, there's a great example of this in the book of Luke. We all love the story of the prodigal son. I think Somerset Mom said it's the greatest short story in history. In the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son, you know, squanders his inheritance, lives in debauchery, but at some point decides that it's time to go home. Listen to what he says about how he's going to go home. I will arise. I'm not thinking about it. I mean, he had already thought about it. But he's saying, I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. You see, I will do this. It's not just what I'm thinking about. I will do it. For me, the best illustration of this in the human realm is shopping. I'm not a good shopper. I don't know if you like to shop or not. I tend to be a terrible shopper. But some of you are just really good shoppers, and, and you could probably deliver this part of the talk a lot better than I can. But you understand, when you go shopping, both your mind and your will are engaged. Your mind sees everything. Your mind weighs options. Your mind considers prices. Your mind considers how the product's going to interface with your life. But your will steps in and decides either to buy or not to buy and what to buy. See, your mind sees it all. Your will says, I'm going to take this shirt. I want that car. I'm going to buy this house. Your mind is shopping but your will buys. Today, in the time that I have left, I want to talk to your will. I want to talk to that part of you that's fundamental and foundational. I want to talk to your will about what you're thinking, because what you're thinking right now has everything to do with whether or not you're happy. Well, uh, thinking about the shopping thing, I, I uh, had a family member who visited several years ago, not my immediate family, but a, a cherished family member. And when she was at her house, she, she told us about a show that had just started coming on television. I guess it's been on for several years now. But a show called What Not to Wear. Has anybody seen this show? What Not to Wear? I, I, I'm not a reality show person, but i got to be honest with you. I, I sort of watched this one a few times myself because I, I was kind of interested in this. Here's what happens in What Not to Wear in case you've never seen the show. It's somebody who's developed a style and the style is not good for them. Maybe, maybe all the clothes they buy are grungy and they're too big, you know, and, and it's just like they're walking around, you know, somewhere in their clothes and you can't ever find them. But they're just, you know, they're just wearing these. Really, or it can be they're, they're buying really, really tight clothes, clothes that are too tight for them or clothes that are too young for them or clothes that are too old for them or clothes that fit their career, clothes that don't fit their career. Somehow they've gotten locked into a bad style. And the thing is, they think every time they go to the store, they're buying the right thing. Here's the thing that I found interesting about the few times I watched that show. The people who don't have a good style, they're not the ones calling in the experts. It's their friends. <laughs> See, here's the thing. If you're not thinking healthy thoughts, you may think you've got everything right, but your friends know you're not thinking good thoughts. But in, in What Not to Wear, it's really, really kind of cool because the experts come in and they say, you know what, this is not your style, this is not working for you, you need to buy, and they'll begin to help them buy pieces of clothing. And at first, they will push back and say, no, that's not right for me because they're so accustomed to buying clothes that are not right. 
A strong will has to step in to help the person make great choices. Well, I want to tell you today that is possible for you and me because a lot of us, we know what to wear. Not me, but a lot of us out there, you know what to wear, but you don't know what to think. And so I want to talk to you for a few moments about what to think. And here's a great thing that, here's some great coaching that we get from the very beginning. And this is what I want you to get. It is possible. Just as as it's possible for you to change your style and change your wardrobe, it is possible for you to change your thinking. This is more than you want to know, but the first message I ever preached, I was 16 years old, and I preached from this particular text. The Bible says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing by the renewing of your mind. That's, that's, great. that's a great message for us. I don't think any generation ever needed that as much as our generation does because here's the deal. Most of us have gotten what we think from the culture. Most of what we think about sex today, we get from the culture. Most of what we think about what's right and what's wrong, we get from the entertainment world and the culture, pop culture at large. But the Bible is saying, look, don't be conformed to this world system But be changed, be transformed. How can I be changed? By the renewing of your mind. Just like in what not to wear, the person has to get rid of the old wardrobe and bring in the new wardrobe. What God is challenging you and me to do is to get rid of the old wardrobe and bring in the new new wardrobe. So you ready to start today? I hope you are because all of us, including me, I got to tell you, I have learned so much from this message. It's already begun to transform my life. Here's the first thing I want you to think about. You and I need to take an honest look at our mental closets. If I were to ask you today, explain to me the relationship between your mind and your mood, chances are you would tell me something like this. My mind is everything I've learned and everything I've experienced, and my mood is contingent upon that. So if my mind is filled with good experiences, then I'm probably going to have a good mood. If my mind is filled with bad experiences, I'm going to have a bad mood. But my mind is everything that I've ever learned, everything that I've ever experienced, and my mood is contingent upon that. Okay, there's several problems with that. Here's the first one. Scientists tell us, and especially in this information age, scientists tell us that we only retain one piece of information out of every hundred pieces of information that we receive. So your mind is not everything you've ever learned and everything you've ever received. Your mind is 1% of everything you've ever learned and everything you've received. So today, when you start thinking about what's in your mental closet, it's not everything. I mean, it's just like I said a moment ago, 5 o'clock this afternoon, if somebody came to us and said, what was the service like today? We would come up with all kinds of different things. We would have all received the same mental stimuli, but at the end of the day, we're going to walk out with just a percentage of what we've seen. And six weeks from now, that percentage will shrink and be even smaller. So here's the thing. When you think about what's in your mental closet today, what happened is over time your mind has went shopping, gone shopping. Your mind saw a hundred things and picked one up, took it off the shelf, and put it in the closet. Okay? Now here's the second problem with the idea that our mind is everything we've learned and our mood's contingent upon it. Your mind has developed a style. Your mind develops tendencies to shop for the same things. Now, here's the thing. You have, and now let's just take this out of the realm of thoughts for a moment and go back to clothing. You and I all have a style. All of us, every single one of us has a style here today. 
And when you go shopping, here's the thing. And, I'm, and I'm, I don't know, I mean, some of you, you're much broader in your shopping than, than I would be. But most of us, we tend to go to the same stores or the same kinds of stores. And isn't it true that we'll go to particular racks in that store because there's certain things that they're just our kind of clothing? And, and in our style, it's strange. We can, we can try on a lot of different stuff, but we tend to buy the same kinds of things most of the time. And if we were asked why, we would just say, well, that's, that's my style. Um, I remember back when I used to have to wear suits seven days a week. That wasn't my style, but I had to do it. And so I would, I, since I had to wear suits seven days a week, I had to have several of them. And every time I would go shopping for suits, you know, Marilyn would say, well, what kind of suit do you go buy? I don't know. I'm going to go shopping. But I always came home, never failed. I'd, no matter what I've tried on, I'd always come home with a Navy suit. And I had a closet full of Navy suits. And, and Mary also say, well, Mark, you look so good in brown. And so I'd try on a brown suit, but guess what I'd come home with? Navy suit. Because, see, I'd see hundreds of suits at dealers, but my, I would pick up the Navy suit and bring it home and put it in my closet. And honestly, there was a time when my closet was filled with Navy suits. Now, I don't like suits. Today, I, I wear jeans and Robert Graham shirts and certain kinds of polos. And so when I go to a store, I go to the same stores and I go to the same racks. And if you were to see my closet in my house, it's full, pretty much, I don't have much style. I'm not a clothes horse, but it's pretty much the same style. And I'm guessing all of us have a style. Well, just as you and I have a physical clothing style, we have a mental thinking style. Something has developed our style. You can't take all the information home with you. You're going to receive 100 pieces of information. 99% of it's going to be kicked into the spam box, but 1% is going to be kept in the inbox. What is it that is your mental style? See, I, I really don't think it makes just a whole lot of difference what your clothing style is, unless your career demands that you wear a certain kind of clothing. What's in your closet probably doesn't matter a whole lot. What's in your mental closet is determining whether you're happy or unhappy. That's pretty big. I just think this is a pretty big question for us to wrestle down today. What's your style? When you go into the concourse of life and you, you receive pieces of information, what kind of information do you take home? Because here's the thing. I'm guessing you may not have thought about this in yourself, but consider for a moment what you've experienced in dealing with other people. Have you ever met somebody who's critical? They can go into any situation. They can shop any situation, whether it's corporate or home or whatever they shop. They can go into any situation, but they're going to pull something critical off the rack and put it in their closet. You can go to the same, same experience, and somebody could ask you, and you could say, oh, I had a great time. That person could tell you, oh, the coffee was too hot, or it was, you know, the air was too cold, or, or whatever, because they pulled the critical thing off and put it in their closet. How many of you know somebody that they have a sarcastic style? I mean, and, and basically sarcasm is based on cynicism. And so they just are cynical about everything. And you can have a good time, but they're going to pull something sarcastic off the rack. And their closet after a while is just filled, filled with sarcasm, and the idiot's proud of it. <laughs> and you're thinking, will you ever get a clue? Now, I'm, before I'm too hard on anybody else, i got to tell you what my problem is. Well, far too often when I go shopping for thoughts... I will look for the anxious thought. I will look at the fearful thing. What is there in this situation to be fearful of? And, and so a lot of times I'll pull that off the shelf and I'll put it in my closet. 
Now, for all of us, whether we're talking about, you know, what, if, if your style is critical or negative or fearful or anxious or risky or lustful, or it could be that your style is joyful, you're a joyful person and your closet's filled with joyful things. Here's the deal. Our mental style that populates our mental closet will eventually corroborate our view of life. It will corroborate our style. If you're a critical person, you think the world is a bad place because every time you go to your closet, it corroborates that message because everything in your closet is critical. If you're angry all the time and you go to your closet and all the thoughts there are angry, it's going to corroborate your, your feeling that the world is a place that is a bad place. It makes you angry. And on the other hand, if you pull joyful peaceful thoughts, and you put those in your closet, your style is going to corroborate. Hey, God is at work in the world, and I have a lot to be happy about. Guys, this is, I mean, we're going to see in a few moments, this is totally from the Bible, but beyond that, the Bible is not the only source of this kind of consideration, because now scientists have really began to be concerned about this. We have so much unhappiness in our culture today. Scientists are telling us that our style of thinking actually rewires our brains, in other words, the kinds of thoughts that we keep putting in our mental closet after a while wire neural pathways. I mean, we know this. I mean, whatever you do, whatever your career is or your job is, or there are even certain things at home you've done so many times. What do you say? I've done it so many times, I could do it in my sleep. Well, what's happened is you've done this task so much, your brain is wired a neural pathway, and, and that becomes something that you can do without thinking. And, and what happens when we think in, 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 in a bad style of thinking, in bad ways of thinking, we wire new neural pathways, and we actually begin to believe that we are right. Well, today I want to challenge you to rethink things. I remember 20 years ago or so, there was a book out by a couple of Christian psychologists called Happiness is a Choice. I'd never seen the book before, but a woman came to my office bringing a copy of this book, and her face was just frozen with anger, and she just unleashed her anger on these two authors, and that's kind of sad because they never knew about it, and, and I had to hear it, but uh, <laughs> now that I think about it, she was so mad at those authors because she said, how dare they write a book called Happiness is a Choice? And she was unhappy. Did I, did I, get, that, did I get that message, Chris? <laughs> How dare they write a book called Happiness is a Choice because nobody would choose to be unhappy. And I think she's right. But our thoughts make us unhappy or unhappy, and we choose our thoughts. We choose our thoughts. We shop for them. Our will steps in and picks them. Now we go to this majestic book of Philippians for one of the most important verses in your Bible. For a few moments, we're going to talk about not a show called What Not to Wear. We're going to talk about what not to think. And, and, and instead of bringing in, you know, a fashion expert, we're going to bring God in because God is going to talk to you and me and he's going to tell us how to think. Let me read this to you. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Set your dial. Take charge here. See, a lot of us think our mind's like a butterfly. It flits around, and wherever our mind takes us, that's where we have to go. No. God is saying, fix your thoughts. 
Dial it in. Dial your thoughts in. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And then now we go into a little area where we're going to look at the categories that are important. We looked at some specifics, now the categories. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, when the Bible says, let's just take this verse apart for a few moments and then we'll be finished. When the Bible says fix your thoughts, that's the way of saying buy this. Go into the concourse of life and buy these thoughts. Where do you shop for your thoughts? A week ago, we, we, we spent a day and a half in Dallas, and then we went to South Texas, Mary Alice and I did. And, and so as we were driving from DFW to I-35, we kind of took the country route. We went south of Fort Worth to an area where my first church was when I was still in college, and we went to a little park called Rendon. And there's a little country road, and there's a section of it that's, that's kind of ratty, to be honest with you. And we saw a big sign, and I thought, boy, this is great for branding. I wish I had my camera. It said, salvage yard, coming soon. (laughs) Boy, I can't wait for that. I want to be there for the grand opening. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Some of us, and that's not me because I can't afford to, but some of us here today, we're buying our clothes at designer shops. We're going to those shopping centers that most of us just drive through with mouths open, okay? I mean, you're looking at all these, you know, Versace and, and Louis Vuitton and, and, and you know, Rolex and, and, and all these fine shops. And even though you're buying your clothes there and you're buying your cars, you know, at the high-end dealerships, you're getting your thoughts at the salvage yard. See, I would rather get my thoughts at the high-end store and have to buy my clothes from a second-hand place than I would buy my clothes from the finest stores and get my thoughts from the salvage yard. Some of us have designer clothes on the outside and a junkyard on the inside. Now, the Bible is saying, here's the cool thing. Shop at the fine stores. Shop at the best places for your thoughts. It's free won't cost you anything. You have unlimited purchasing power. Now, what we're going to see here, and this, if, I, I'm not a note taker, but if there ever was a moment to take notes, this is a great time to take notes, okay? Because God is going to like take us to two shopping centers. In effect, these are two overarching categories of healthy thoughts. And so for, for people like me that have trouble with lists, spend some time at these two shopping centers because these two shopping centers will take you to the stores that are important to shop at. If you look at the last part of that verse, it says, think about things that are excellent, the excellent mall, and worthy of praise, the worthy of praise shops, okay? So so your categories of thoughts, if you want to shop at the best places for good thoughts, are the excellent mall and the worthy of praise shops. Okay, let's break that apart. What do we talk about in practical terms? Excellent. Excellent is simply what it suggests. It is the best available thought. If I encounter a situation, I realize I'm going to get 100 pieces of stimuli. I can't take everything home. I only take one home thought. One, one, take home one thought. I want the best available thought. If I've got an experience, I want the best available. I don't know. Do we have any other NFL fans here? Okay. What did we have last week that's really important? The draft. Draft. Draft is the opportunity for teams to get better, get, get talentless. You're the Cowboys. And so... Uh, 
For those of you who don't know what it's like, this is where teams get an opportunity to select players, top players that are coming out of college, but you just can't go select any player that you want. There's a round-robin system of choosing. 32 teams, and they get to take turns choosing. You know, one team picks, and the next team gets to pick, and after those first 32 picks, then it starts all over with the second round. So you don't know who's going to be taken in the first round. All these teams spend millions of dollars trying to find, they, they're setting up their draft boards, they want the best available player. So after the other players are picked, they say, okay, who's the best available player? You and I need to have a continual draft in our mind, always thinking about what's the best available thought. What's the best available thought? See, here's what will keep you from having a critical style. Here's what will keep you from having an angry style. Here's what will keep you from having a jealous style or a destructive style. If you will always ask yourself in this situation, what is the best available thought? Because I'm shopping at the excellent mall. I'm not shopping at the poor mall or the fair mall or the good mall. I'm shopping at the excellent mall. What is the best available thought? And this is what's really important. I don't have time to preach this, but let me just throw this out. When you're in contact with other people, especially the closest people, and they talk to you and they say things to you, guys, shop at the Excellent Mall. Always give them an upgrade. If they say something negative, kick it up. Give them an upgrade to neutral. If they say something neutral, kick it up to good. If they say something good, kick it up to excellent because you shop at the Excellent Mall. You always get the best available thought. If you're stuck in traffic and you have a hard time waiting like I do, you're going to have to ask yourself, what is the best available thought here? <laughs> See? See, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're taking the family at Disney World, it's not hard to find the best available thought. If you're going for a chemo treatment, that's a different thing. And if you're sitting, you know, if you're sitting in, a, in a traffic jam, you're going to say, okay, God has given me the gift of a few moments just to focus on him. And who knows? If I didn't have this traffic jam... If I went down the road at full speed, there might be an accident. God may be keeping me, God may be sparing my life right now at this very moment. See? See what I'm saying? You say, Mark, that's Pollyannish. No, no, no. It's just, it's just protecting your brain. It's protecting your happiness. Now, the excellent mall is the best available thought. The worthy of praise shops, I've got two minutes, so I'm going to try to get all this in, okay? Because we haven't even got to the six individual stores yet. <laughs> The worthy of praise shops means this. Imagine, if you will, for a moment that your brain is a glass house and at all times people can see what you're thinking. Worthy of praise just simply says, I'm thinking about things that I wouldn't mind anybody in the world knowing I'm thinking about right now. How many of us think thoughts we would be so ashamed if the person we love knew what we were thinking? How many of us think thoughts that if our best friends knew we were thinking this, it break our hearts. But you know what? Our mind is a closet. It's a safe place. We go into the closet and we think things we shouldn't think. But the Bible is challenging us to, to do something different. Imagine, if you will, that your brain is a closet. And you're thinking things that if somebody said, you know what Mike's thinking? Mike's thinking about this. Well, I'd be glad to know somebody was learning what I'm thinking about. I mean, if I'm thinking about helping somebody and somebody said, hey, Mark's thinking about helping somebody. It's not going to break my heart. If somebody said, you know, Mark is thinking about getting closer to God, I wouldn't mind people hearing that. You see what I'm saying? Just think about those two shopping centers, the best available thought and the thought that you're thinking that you wouldn't, you wouldn't mind anybody knowing at any moment you're thinking about that. You know, if you love your wife, nobody's going to, you, you'd be glad for people to know that. 
If you, want, if, you, if you care about people, you'd be glad. If you're thinking those kinds of things, do you see what I'm saying? I mean, because here's the deal. Some of you are going to walk out of here and you're in the cynical style and, and, and you put sarcastic stuff in your closet. You're going to walk out of here and you're going to say, oh, that's just, you know, it's just Pollyannish psychobabble. And you'll go out the unhappy person that you were when you came in. Einstein said that... It, if, if, if we have the same kind of thinking that we use to make the mistakes, we can't correct anything. Okay? Now, we've talked about the two stores. Let's go to the six individual shops. Fix your thoughts. Here are the stores. This is verse 8. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. If you're taking notes, we're going to go through these in now one minute. Okay, here we go. The honesty store. The honesty store. Shop at the honesty store. The honesty store simply means things that are no, no hidden agendas, no deceptive thoughts. See, here's the thing. When I begin to think in deceptive ways, how can I get what I want without communicating what I'm really thinking? That's uh, an unhealthy way to think. It's dangerous. So God is saying shop at the honesty stores. Just, just think about what is, what is true. And then the respect store. And guys, let me just tell you something. The world that you and I are living in today is a bigger enemy against these stores than it ever has been. So many things that people do today take dignity away from others, and they, take, they destroy their own personal dignity. And so the respect store means I'm thinking about thoughts that invest dignity in the lives of the people around me and invest in my own personal dignity. I mean, I just see people all the time do such self-destructive things, things that hurt themselves, things that compromise their own dignity. And that kind of activity starts because the thoughts are not thinking about thoughts of dignity and respect, not demeaning. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, this isn't in my notes, but it says, How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. You know, if I watch late night television, that's about all it is, you know? It's mocking. And yet, that's not the way to be happy, okay? Real quickly, the fairness store. Thinking about what is the fair thing. Not, not, not pressing a personal agenda, but thinking what would be fair to everybody. The clean store. I don't think I need to go there. It just means things that are clean. And, and our entertainment world today is, is, makes that difficult. The beautiful store. Thinking about things that are beautiful. And then there's the positive store. Whatever things, in the old translation says, whatever things are of good report. So here's what you and I can do. We can change our thoughts. We can go to the excellent mall and take the best available thought. We can go to the, you know, the, the shops of good report in which nobody would mind. We wouldn't mind if anyone, anyone knew what we were thinking at the moment. And you can change your style. And here's the outcome, verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me and everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. And the God of peace will be with you. In all the researching and reading that I've done for happiness, one of the most curious things is nobody really knows how to define happiness. Sense of well-being, good feelings. We all, we all seem to know it when we see it, but defining it is a hard thing. The closest I can come to defining happiness is, um, is contentment or what we just read, peace. Because when I'm at peace, I'm happy. When I'm in turmoil, I'm not happy. And here's what the Bible is saying. If my will steps in and chooses good thoughts, I'm going to have a sense of peace. Peace with God, peace with others, peace with myself.
I challenge you, visit your closet. If you need to, change your style. Thank you for listening today. God bless you. We'll see you next week.